Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. What is going on with this feast day, this feast of the name of Christ? Why do we bother with something like this? Well, if you've got your gospel lesson in hand, go to the last sentence. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, if we were all good Jews, especially back in this time, this would trigger, quite naturally, back to Abraham. You remember, all Jews, all Jewish sons, were circumcised on the eighth day. And the reason for this is that after God had made a covenant with Abram to solidify it, he makes, he says, here's the seal of the covenant, and the seal, the sign of it, is circumcision. And all of your offspring will be circumcised on the eighth day. And tomorrow, January 1st, is the eighth day of Christmas. So eight days after the birth of Jesus, when he would have been circumcised and when he was given the name. And not just any name, but as this text says, the name that the angel had told Mary before he was even conceived. Now, if you remember that story in the Old Testament, it's Genesis 17, if you want to look it up at home. It's Abram is walking with God. He's been walking with God for five chapters. And then God says, I want this sign of the covenant. And Abram, again, is circumcised, but Abram is also given a new name. He's no longer just Abram, which means multitude or many. He is Abraham which means father of the multitude or father of many. And for here, Jesus, Jesus' name that is given, his name means Savior. And his whole name means the God of Israel saves. So for both of them, their names are very significant. Abraham, the father of the multitudes, the father of the people of God. And not just for our Jewish brothers and sisters, but for you and I as Christians, we have been incorporated into the family of our father Abraham through Jesus Christ. Now, in Matthew, the angel tells Mary that he'll be named Jesus And he'll be named Jesus, not because he'll save in any kind of generic sense, but Matthew says, the angel in Matthew says, he is to save his people from their sins. Now, we all, rightly so, want to be saved from forces that oppress us. And oppressed people, rightly so, cry out, Jesus, liberate us. Save us. And that is part of what Jesus came to do. 
Matthew also makes it clear that the very place we weren't looking, because we're so, I know I'm so obsessed with looking at other people to blame for my own problems, but Matthew says part of your problems stem from yourself, from you, Ben. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Another thing that has to deal with Jesus' name is if you are at all familiar with the letters of St. Paul. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, God gave Jesus the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So Jesus... God saves. This Savior, this human being, is also the name above every other name. And for any good Jew, you would know that the name above all names is the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which we, in English, it is, on some level, it's a sheer guess. We say Yahweh but we don't know if it's actually pronounced that way. And our Jewish brothers and sisters would prefer that we not say that word. Jesus is God. He has the name above every name. And this God-man in Jesus is the one who saves. Now this should bring us all kinds of connections if we were Jews would light up, right? Remember Genesis 3? We have gone our own way. And not just in Genesis 3, but throughout the Old Testament, right? Constantly, the people of God are going it their own way. And ultimately, by the end of the Old Testament, they get exiled. Exile is essentially hell. And it's hell because what are the promises of God to Abraham that you and your descendants will have a land, will have a people forever. And it seemed, when they were exiled, that all of the promises of God had been taken back. They were afraid that they had been so bad, they had gone it their own way for so long, that there was absolutely no help left for them. No hope at all that God had rescinded upon his promise because we had not kept our end of the bargain. But what we see in this Jesus is that God stays true to his promises and that God's promises are not contingent upon your behavior, my behavior, and the people of Israel's behavior. For you and I, and we Christians here today, we are not so very different from the people of God of old. I'll just speak for myself. I go it my own way every day. And that's why we do the confession every day. Because we know that it's not just at our conversion or at our baptism that we need saving. We need constant saving. But the mark for new covenant believers like you and me 
is no longer circumcision. The mark of the promise is baptism. This is the promise bestowed upon you and me. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the mark. This is the sign of the covenant. This is essentially the wedding ring, the promise. God in Jesus is moving towards us at all times. Now, I think you and I, we, I'll speak for myself, I like Jesus' name when it's God saves, the God of Israel saves. But I'm not so thrilled about it when I hear about Jesus being called a Lord. And the only reason for that mostly is because I'm not especially a huge fan of authority. You'd think I'm an Episcopal priest, I'm under a bishop, I must love authority. But I don't like it at all. I'm just like anyone else. I like to do things my way at all times. And I think for many of us here in this room, in our history lessons, we've learned that more often than not, the lords, the kings, the rulers, tend to be for their own selves. They don't seem to be all that interested in those they're supposed to represent. Of course, there are exceptions, but even in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, right, you have the list of the names of the kings, and so many more are bad than are actually good. We're reading through the Bible this upcoming year of 2019, I'd encourage you to come to the classes, but as you read about the kings in the Bible, you can count on one hand how many that the Bible itself, the Hebrew people themselves, say were decent kings. Jesus, though, nevertheless, is said to be the Lord in the line of David, a king. But he is a king who saves. He is a king who's moving towards us. If you will, he is the king who represents us well to his father. Now, in a minute, we're going to say the prayer of humble access. And this is one of my favorite prayers, and it's right after Jake's going to celebrate communion. We'll all pray this prayer. And there's this one line, and as we pray it, I want you to focus on this one line. It says, and this is to Jesus, you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. This Lord is unlike the Lords we know. And I'm not just talking about politics or kings of history. Of course I'm talking about them. But I'm also talking about the Lords of our own lives. I don't think that Freud had it all that wrong. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. So often... I am a total slave to the latest impulse that comes up in my mind and in my heart. Whether it's an impulse, whether it's an addiction, whatever it is, you and I, who are averse to lords, we have them. 
Bob Dylan said it pretty well. You got to serve somebody. Even those of us who are adverse to it as possible, we've got to serve somebody. So why not the Lord whose property is always to have mercy? Why not the one who forgoes his riches and his realm to become a helpless babe? And not just because it was cute to become a helpless babe. He came, became a helpless babe for you, for me. Because my friends, as I said last night, the manger is not disconnected from the cross or the resurrection or the ascension. It's part of the whole package. God, in his eternal decision, decided that he was going to reconcile his creation back to himself and that he was going to rectify all that had gone wrong. But more than just the creation, more than just the cosmos, and it of course includes that, God decided to become human. To become like you and me. Because God is for us. Jesus is for you. He is the one who saves. He is the Lord whose property is always to have mercy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.